Hello, this is Margaret Copeman Frickowitz, and I'm reporting on diabetes and survival. So today I wanted to talk about somebody who actually lit the fire in me to actually continue to do this. And of course, I always like reporting on the different doctors or people, uh, clinicians, who actually go out of their way to care about diabetics in general. And they're not asking for anything. I, I think that's absolutely just sometimes the best advice that you can get are people who are, who are just out to help one another. So without further ado, I give you Sarah Hallberg. Now Sarah Hallberg was actually on a TED Talks video five years ago. So it's interesting that I would bring up a video that was actually played five years ago, but it's very relevant to today. Sarah Hallberg's talk, and it's in case you want to look it up on YouTube, it's called Reversing Type 2 Diabetes Starting with Ignoring the Guidelines. And this is something that I had mentioned before about ignoring the doctors, but I don't know if I ever brought up Sarah Hallberg's name. And actually, she's the one that I actually got the idea from because it actually changed my perspective on diabetes. So if you're not familiar with TED Talks, it's probably one of the best informative um, things out there. Okay, that didn't sound right. It's one of the best informative bits of information that you can get on different and various topics, people who are passionate about certain topics. And this one on diabetes was an absolute gem to me. The reason being is because she actually practices what she preaches and of course a lot of her diet uh, just to give you a little narrative of what she actually talks about is actually going low carb she's talking going low carb and it goes along with the lines with the other doctors i've mentioned like dr eckberg and uh dennis Pollock and um a few others one of the things that she does is you know she'll show what she actually eats in the video towards the end of the video and it looks like she's eating a high-carb diet, but she's really not. She's actually baking her own breads. So she's using coconut flour. I prefer almond flour, but then again, there's some people that used to like to use a mix between almond flour and coconut flour. This is something that's actually quite hard to find. It's something that you know, you're gonna have to make yourself and it's, it can be kind of costly. So if you just use it at your discretion, um, it's not too bad. Luckily, coconut flour and almond flour are one of those things that you can find. Sometimes it goes on sale and uh, then you can buy a small bag of it. But, you know, when you look at that and you look at flour, you can understand why, you know, most people still use like wheat flour and white flours because of the cost effectiveness of it. Almond flour and coconut flour, a lot of people don't use. But it's something at least half the population really should be using with insulin resistance. Now, I... In a, in a perfect world, I'd probably create a restaurant that actually contained a lot of these breads just because I think that um, it's, it's what the population needs. I'd actually have a restaurant that actually had keto bread. I'd be really big into it. So I'd actually make the muffins and the breads, etc. Because some of this can be, you know, time, cons- time consuming. 
other people don't know how to make bread. I don't know how to make regular bread. You know, I, it's not one of the things that I actually learned how to do. However, I did learn how to make uh, keto bread. And um, it's actually quite simple because you're using a couple tablespoons. For, it's, it's actually, uh, let me rephrase that. It's actually bread in a mug. And you can make this bread quite easily with a couple tablespoons of either uh, coconut flour or almond flour, uh, a tablespoon of olive oil, an egg, and a little bit of baking powder. Put it in a mug, mix it together, a little bit of water, and in about a minute and a half, two minutes, some people say three minutes, but I've, I haven't had too much success at three minutes, you can have a wonderful, a wonderful piece of bread. And you can actually mix in ingredients too and experiment with that. Like if you want a chocolate bread, you could actually use a Hershey's powder and put it in there with a little bit of sweetener. It's actually quite good. So, um, you know, it's uh, basically use your imagination. And of course, YouTube is a great place to actually start to learn how to make keto bread. And again, mentioning Dennis Pollock, he actually does have a segment where he actually shows you how to make uh, mug bread if you're on one of his sites. But there are other sites as well on YouTube that actually show you how to make this bread. Amazing, right? So I've actually experimented and actually made, you know, put in like almond extract or vanilla extract, maybe a little bit of cinnamon. You know, you can make different types of bread too. So, um, and it's relatively simple. You know, your five-year-old could probably make it, you know, with a little bit of practice. So, anyways, enough about bread. So, going back into Sarah Hallberg's speech on uh, reversing type 2 diabetes. Starts with ignoring the guidelines. I mean, this is something that is totally manageable with the right kind of care. I did not say it was going to be easy, but it is manageable. But sometimes it does come down to ignoring the guidelines because the guidelines are a great start into diabetes and what you should be doing because it's really hard to go from a, an American diet, for instance, or any type of diet into now a, a strict control, carb control diet. Some of the simplest foods you can't even eat anymore. So you got to pay attention to those carbs. Those carbs are going to raise your blood sugars quicker than anything. Um, one example is, as I walked into a Walmart, actually a Walmart convenience store here in Idaho, we're lucky enough to have those, um, great little stores. They have a lot of convenience foods, but a lot of those convenience foods are just not diabetic friendly. They do have some diabetic friendly foods such as boiled eggs or cheese, but other things such as their mega burrito might have like hundred grams of carbs and obviously it's way too many carbs and that's considered one serving. So things like a super mega burrito are going to wreak havoc on your blood sugar. So I guess like if it's the only meal that you're eating for the day, not too big of a deal. And if you know to expect the spike, you're going to have the spike. But it's not necessarily a good habit you want to get into either. I'm not saying totally avoid the foods you love, but use a little bit of common sense when it comes to the foods that you love so that you're not spiking your blood sugar to where your A1Cs are through the roof come your three month window interval. So um, everything in moderation is probably a good idea. So there are snacks that I used to have every other day that I now have maybe twice a year. I mean, it's that important. 
your health is that important. And when I'm talking snacks, I'm, I'm talking, well, I shouldn't say snacks, I should say food, but sometimes I call them snacks because you have to eat such a small serving of it. It seems more like a snack than an actual gratifying meal, like a sandwich. Like you can eat a full sandwich, but you know, you're going to suffer the consequences of that. Now, maybe you want to break that sandwich in half, like half sandwich for lunch and the other half for dinner, and uh, do it that way for more control over your blood sugars. Now, what I believe Sarah Hallberg is saying when she says ignore the guidelines, she's actually talking about she's actually talking about dietitians who recommend no more than 40 grams of carbs per meal. We're not saying do it in excess, but she may even want to limit it even further in order to get that that rain on your blood sugar. So um, that's probably one of the things that she's actually talking about because, you know, they can only teach you so much. Obviously, that's not going to work for a long duration period of time. It might work at first where the 40 grams of carbs are working great for you uh, for the first year, but then come, you know, five, 10 years later, that's still too many carbs. And it's unfortunate that our bodies seem to reject the foods that we put into it, but it's a little bit of um, common sense as well. So the reason why I say that is because if you're constantly poisoning your body with something that your body feels is poisoning, even though it's not, but um, your body is going to react to it. And so if it doesn't need that extra sugar rush, which breads, you know, starches turn into sugar, then it's going to start rejecting. It's going to make your blood actually uh, become more sugary, I guess. And so when I say stop ignoring the guidelines, or start ignoring the guidelines, um, this just becomes common sense after a while. Because, you know, like I said, eventually the guidelines that they give you doesn't work anymore. And you have to actually rein in on your diabetes with stricter control. So that's all that she's really saying there, is that there are things that you can do to actually prevent those glucose spikes. And that's better for your overall health and your A1C. So um, I don't think I need to do an episode on what A1C is. Uh, Just a brief introduction for somebody who does not know what A1C is. But that is a a three-month window into how you have been managing your blood sugar for the past three months. To newbie, that is really confusing. So they're like, what do you mean three months? Well, it basically shows how your body has handled glucose for the past three months. So, and uh, if your cells are actually responding to that or not. So the higher your A1C is, uh, the more your cells are actually resistant towards the uh, products that you're actually putting in your body. And so that's the reason why you need to lower that. So just to clarify that really briefly. Now I'm actually interested to see if Sarah Hallberg has any more videos on YouTube or anywhere else where she actually goes into more of what she's talking about. Now, for the period of time that she was actually on TED Talks, she did a bang-up job. Beautiful. And uh, I went ahead and posted it on uh, her her talk, once again, on Diabetes Aware. Something that in the past I have actually posted on is sometimes when people are just really good at what they talk about, sometimes you got to watch their video a couple times just to get everything that they're saying. Because, of course... There's a lot of information 
in what they're actually posting. So I would not be surprised if in six months if I didn't review her talk once again because it's just it's just that good. And along with Dr. Berg, uh, Dr. Eckberg, I should say, his videos are very informative too. Sometimes I have to watch his videos several times. And I'm not a person who actually watches videos. I certainly don't like movies. Forget it. I don't watch it more than once. I might watch it twice if I'm watching it with somebody. But it's kind of rare. Like, I'll never see Goonies again because I've seen it once and that was good enough for me. But I will recommend it to other people, right? Um, this is a little bit different, though. When it comes to uh, my health... Sometimes I forget about what they had talked about in the talk, like such as such as TED Talks. And um, so there's a lot of information in there, but then I, I can see where it actually syncs with what other what other people are saying about diabetes. And I think that is actually what's so fascinating. Because you have all these people that mean well, when it comes to talking about diabetes and they really know their material. I am so thankful for that. And then occasionally I run across those who are just exploring the diabetes thing, you know, like they, they, they are now interested in diabetes and so they're giving like the guidelines and stuff. And I'm going over my list, like scratching it off. I'm like, well, nope. Dr. Eckberg said nope to that one or nope to this one. And then you're looking at their list and like, well, that only applies to about half the diabetics, but I guess that's a good starter tool because the diabetic, like if you jumped right from the pan into the fire uh, with diabetes, you probably would go crazy because, um, let me explain that a little bit. I mean, you're not going to go crazy, crazy, it's not clinically crazy or anything, but it's such a change to the way that you're used to eating. Like when you go to a restaurant and you have the breadsticks, the pasta and stuff like that. Uh, and you probably have like a million gazillion carbs, carb overload, which I love that word, carb overload, pretty easy for a diabetic. Um, but when you do that, it's kind of weird eating with friends and family because your diet's so different from what theirs is. And you get kind of excited about it, you know, being a diabetic for a while and eating right. You want to share, but then you got to realize that not everybody's a diabetic. So there might be some people, though, that uh, uh, are kind of curious because they may not have diabetes, but they may be uh, pre-diabetic. And, or maybe their doctors have told her, them that they need to watch their carbs and they may not know anything about that. And it's kind of fun actually finding somebody who needs to watch their carbs and then they ask you about it because they know you're a diabetic and you're already watching your carbs and so you can actually be a pretty good teacher to them as well. For instance, I have this one friend, well I got more than one friend, but I'm, I'm just going to talk about my one friend because he can't, he can't do anything to me, he doesn't listen to these podcasts, thank goodness, but he is, is a huge rice and pasta type guy. He could not imagine having to eliminate those out of his diet. I really hope that he is never insulin resistant because, I mean, that that's going to rock his world. I mean, I swore when I first met this guy, I thought he was Italian. He's not Italian. So I, I some people just really, I mean, they just dish out the carbs and they're into the sugar they don't see what the problem is because they're, they're not having issues right now. You know, and they work out, you know, and they got the muscle and everything. Hey, 
if you've got the great glucose control and you're normal, then yeah, all this dieting and stuff sounds weird to a normal person. What? Cut out the carbs? You mean I can't have pasta anymore? You mean I can't have breadsticks with my pasta? What, what do you mean about these carbs? What do you mean they convert to sugar? What do you mean you can't eat them? This is like really strange. What, what do you mean you can only eat the meat? You know, because you know, if you're keto, you know, you're going to want to go for that meat and that fat, you know. So it's really weird to actually eat around people sometimes just because they just don't get it. Like they go in for a snack, you know, they might grab a candy bar or like maybe a power bar, you know, there's like 120 grams of carbs in it, let's say. Not generally, but um, I'm just using this as an example. And then here you are and you go over to like the snack section, the healthy snack section, you grab some eggs and maybe some celery sticks and maybe some ranch dressing, I don't know, some sugar-free ranch dressing. And, and let's say you want to water that day, and they're looking at you like, wow, you're extra ultra healthy. Well, you know, <laughs> this is what I got to eat. So that's probably one of the reasons why I'm, I'm doing this. But, okay, so I've gotten to the point where I even feel guilty going to the store. If I, if I grab a candy bar, let's say, you know, let's say I haven't had a candy bar all year. It's December. Yeah, I'm really craving the chocolate. And you know what? Okay, so here's the deal. Um... I do go for the sugar-free uh, chocolate when it's available. If it's not available, though, sometimes, and you know what? I'm probably going to be the only diabetic that ever talked about this, but I'm just going to let you in on a little secret. So sometimes I just, you know, I used to be an absolute Reese's peanut butter fan, and I just, I can't get around it. I have found some chocolate peanut butter cups though at Winco. They're not the same though. I'm going to tell you they're not the same. They use a creamy peanut butter, not whatever sugary peanut butter Reese's uses. So it doesn't have like the grit in it. And you know what I mean if you're a Reese's peanut butter fan? It's a creamy peanut butter. You know it's not the same. It's like the stuff that you give your kids on Easter, right? So it's like got the chocolate wrapped around the peanut butter. So they have not perfected the recipe obviously when it comes to sugar-free versions. But it still, it, it nips it in the bud in, in, in a spot. So sometimes at Walmart, I have to like hold back on the convenience store because they're, they are candy supremers there and their candy is extremely inexpensive in the convenience store. So most stores you go in there and it's like two bucks or something. You go into a Walmart convenience store and it's like 99, uh, not even 99 cents, it's like 88 cents. It's almost like grab me, eat me. And it's so hard because, you know, you're doing price comparisons and you're just like, wow, that Snickers bar is just going to fill me up. Whereas those eggs, well, they're 99 cents, not 88 cents, 10 cents more. They're healthy, but gee whiz, I'm really craving nougat and chocolate. Hey, as a diabetic, I I just want to tell you there is hope. Things do get better. So if you were a chocolate bar addict or, you know, Reese's peanut butter fan like I was, things do get easier when you actually eliminate it. You don't have that same type of craving. And I know that may seem funny to some people. They're like, craving? What do you mean? I mean, can't you stop? No, you can't. It's addictive. Sugar is very addictive. I, I'm telling you, it's very addictive. So the thing is, is some people have a really hard time reining in on that. I know sometimes I do. I'm not as anywhere near as bad as when I was a kid. When I was a kid, yeah, I'd pocket pock, yeah, I'd eat a candy bar every day. Now I can't. It's like once or twice a year. Um, 
So when you're diabetic, obviously things change, right? So um, sometimes it's really hard to rein in on the healthy lifestyle and eating correctly. But, you know, I, I do the best I can. But I also don't punish myself either. So even though I try really hard to do keto, sometimes it's not probable. It's just not realistic. I don't have access to keto. And so if I eat something, I, I do it with, without um, punishing myself. Like, like I'm not going to say you're a jerk for eating that or anything. But what, how I handle it basically is, you know, I do it with some consideration. So let's say I'm in a McDonald's and I'm eating a full burger. I'm not going to eat the full burger. I'll order the full, full burger and I'll take a bun off. Because I know at least I'm eliminating the carbs. And at least I'm eating like a pre-diabetic the way that they showed me when I was going through my dietitian class. So that's how I actually kind of counteract that. But obviously I'm not going to be keto for the day if I even have half a bun because that's way too many carbs still. So I do the best I can and I don't, I don't like say you're, you're totally horrible because you're not 100% keto. I know that uh, my body is going to have to pay the consequences of not going fully keto that day. And I also know that this is a gradual progress for me. I'm constantly a work in progress. And so are you. You're a a continual work in progress. And um, as a matter of fact, I've seen doctors freak out when I told them that I was keto because they think that I'm 100% keto. They're like, oh no, your brain needs that sugar and blah, blah, yada, yada, yada. Yes, my brain does need sugar and my body is getting it. When I test myself in the morning and I have the morning dawn phenomena, that's where your blood sugar is uh, about one and a half times what it should be. Your brain's getting the sugar it needs because your body is already creating the sugar through your liver. So um, this is the reason why when I hear a doctor tell me, oh, you need to eat carbs. And I've actually not heard this from the doctors. I've heard this from the nurses. Like, you need to eat sugar because your brain needs it. Blah, blah, blah. It, uh, serious, it's a true story. I went through it a couple months ago. Where as soon as I told them I was on a keto diet, they freak out. But you can eat healthy on a keto diet and still get the carbs you need. So, what the heck? I'm more likely to um, sabotage my efforts of keto than I am to actually be on it. I'm actually really proud of myself if I can keep keto for a day. So, um, but I also know that if I can keep up the keto, then I'm going to be burning the fat. So I try to do it every day. And if I fail, that's okay. Because, you know, your body does need some carbs. So there are diabetics out there, and I know I'm included in that, that uh, feel the guilt trips sometimes when you're not perfectly keto. But you're a work in progress. You're doing the best you can. Let's say you messed up last week and you had a burger because it was just too much and you ate both pieces of bread forgive yourself and move on just just try to do keto better a little bit later you know so you're a work in progress and don't be hard on yourself now we you can get strict and draconian with your diet hey i'm proud of you good job that's exactly where we need to be because that is tight glucose control that means if you can continue to do that then it's going to make it easier for you in the long run And you're going to be able to reduce your medications. And let me tell you something. 
you can reduce your medications. You can totally get off your medications. It's not something I'd recommend, but you can. Um, now let me tell you why I wouldn't recommend getting off your medications. Because I had a mishap with that. And of course, I'm, I'm just making you aware that this can happen. But I got to the point where I didn't, the doctor didn't believe that I was ever diabetic. I had normal numbers, and I've talked about this in previous episodes before, and I was ecstatically happy. I was excited. I'm like, oh my goodness, the Lord has provided a miracle, and I still believe that the Lord is providing a miracle, so, you know, it has not changed my view on God. I still believe in God, but at the time, I was totally off my medication, so I know that if I've done it once, I can do it again, but I probably won't unless the doctor actually takes me off the meds, because I'm telling you what. I fear falling back into that trap where I'm not taking my medications and then I go from completely normal blood sugar uh, back up to like a 13 and now I have to inject insulin because I was close to that. That's not good because I totally forgot I was diabetic. I mean, it just went out of my brain. You, You wouldn't suspect that somebody would go that way, but it happened. It happened to me and... I, I, you know, I got above average IQ, so, you know, if it can happen to me, it certainly can happen to other people. So I'm just letting you know that, yeah, it can happen. So let's say the doctor takes you off medications and you just forget about the doctor. You never go in to see the doctor again about your blood sugars. Okay, but that doesn't mean you're cured of diabetes. You'll always have that diabetes. And I know Dennis Polak does not like me to say that. He doesn't like me to say it's a progressive disease. I disagree, I say it is. I think that it's something that you'll always have even when your blood sugars are normal because you're gonna fall back into the pattern. I'm sorry, I'm just gonna tell you, unless you eat egg every day and stick to a steak dinner every day and you never eat sugar again or bread, there's a chance that you, there's a probable chance that you could fall back into that again. It's very hard and, and also, it doesn't mean that your cells are going to stay healthy. They can still become more resistant and quick, too. So the metformin is just kind of a reminder to your body that, you know, okay, my cells don't work necessarily properly ever again. I'm never going to be a normal person, but I can be, I can act like I'm normal. So you can put on the face of normal, but you're not going to stay normal. Okay, I know that's very hard for some of you to hear, but it's important that I tell you, you know, I'm, I'm all about telling you the truth. The truth is, is once you're labeled a diabetic, there's a reason why they labeled you a diabetic. They are not, they don't just whip that out and say, okay, and label you a diabetic. They're not going to tell you right away. They'll tell you you're pre-diabetic. They'll say all kinds of things, but they're not going to tell you diabetic unless they know for sure you're a diabetic. Okay, so, and once you get that diagnosis, you're a diabetic, now you have to really pay attention. You, you're diabetic for life, okay? And it's not a bad label, it's a good label. It's a helpful label, because now you're in control of your destiny. And as I said before, you are the captain of your own ship, where you're going to sail off and go to. I don't know if I've talked, and of course, maybe I need to sometimes review my own podcast because there's a lot of information I haven't shared yet, and there's there's other information that, that I've shared repeatedly 
But my aunt, she finally passed on this year. And, well, she was never diagnosed with COVID-19, though. There were people who suspected that she had COVID-19, but they didn't know. But my aunt had suffered from diabetes. Just like quite a few people in my family, it's definitely hereditary. And it, or let's say it's not hereditary. Okay, let's just say this is just diet. This is just a learned trait from our ancestors how to eat. Um... But no, okay, let's get real. It's definitely, it's definitely hereditary in diet. And the reason why I have to say that is because, um, of course, all of us have tried changing our eating habits in our family to be more diabetic friendly because we're aware of it. We've had ancestors who've fallen victim to diabetes. My aunt did. She was in her mid-60s. Or she might have been closer to 70. But, okay, so... Unfortunately, she passed on, and it's horrendous what happens to diabetics if you don't have that that strong blood sugar control. So I don't know what medication she was on. I don't know if she was insulin dependent. She didn't really talk about that. And, of course, you know, I could talk about my diabetes to her, but, you know, sometimes relatives clam up and they won't say anything. And they just want to keep that as a personal experience to them. I... I'm going to blast it all out with the whole world. I'm I'm just not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to talk about it. But I think relatives, they kind of keep it to themselves because they don't want to share that they're not following the diet or they're not taking their medications. They don't want to answer to anybody. Uh, definitely not how I am. I mean, I want to answer to somebody. I just don't have anybody to answer to. Um which is the reason why I reach out and I talk to other diabetics is because I want to know what other diabetics are doing. I want them to know what I'm doing. I want them to actually shake the finger at me and say, hey, you need to put that candy bar down. That candy bar is going to be bad for you. Not that I'm holding a candy bar, but I'm just using it as an example. Um, Or put that cookie down. That's not good for you. I mean, I appreciate that. That's love to me. That's saying, okay, I care about you and what's going to happen to you. You don't want to go down that road because you go down that road, you're going to have some issues, girlfriend. Okay? So my poor aunt, she passed away back in March. Bless her heart. And um, what little I was actually told about her for my cousin. She, and he was telling me that, you know, he was there, you know, he's, he's just basically has been with her through the whole thing. So he's seen how she slipped downhill and he's tried to help her out and I guess her diet really did play um, a role into her demise because you know what she was going to eat her fast food she was going to have anybody tell her she couldn't so she was going to eat whatever she wanted and you know blast her diet I don't know what diet she was on but whatever it was it must have been horrible because she certainly didn't want to go back on it now being off and on different diets from the time I was nine on, and I'm going to tell you, 99% of the diets out there are horrible. They are not appealing. They don't appeal to me one bit. They take out all the fat out of everything. They take all the fun out. They sometimes are tasty, but they're such a small portion that it doesn't fill you up and you're just still left hanging. And you're supposed to pretend that you're satisfied with it, and I'm not. I remember my mother getting me on the Jenny Craig diet when I was 18. Absolutely hated it. I'd have to, like, eat these things called Ginios, and I was just so offended that they called Cheerios Ginios. And they didn't taste like Cheerios either. They tasted like some generic, which is why they called them Ginios. 
and they were also five dollars a meal they were expensive you know back when i was you know 18 17 18 so i was quite offensive offended that this box of genios tasted generic and cost me more than what cheerios would cost me this is pathetic now um i did lose a little bit of weight on it but not much so i always did the the great 20 pound loss and that was it but I found, you know, back when I was 18, that going on a regular diet where I'm just controlling my portion sizes allowed me to lose weight. And that's still the case today. If I want to lose weight, I watch my portion sizes. It doesn't matter what I eat. But still, being a diabetic, I'm still having issues with the carbs. So that means i got to eliminate the carbs and eat something different. And, of course, there were other diets, too, like, for instance, the Slim Fast Diet, or the Cabbage Diet, or the Vegetarian Diet, or the one I really didn't like was the Water and Rice Cakes Diet. That one was horrible. So there's a lot of different diets out there that'll promise you weight loss, but they're certainly not diets that you want to take on long term. Even the Keto Diet, I have to be honest. When you're on it for six months, you just want your carbs. It's absolutely horrible. So, um, the one problem I have found, though, with almond flour, <laughs> well, I can't. I well, one, I can't do the coconut flour. I have to. I have to use almond flour. Coconut flour does not. I think I'm allergic to it or something. But okay, so I use almond flour as my base, 100%. Don't have any issues with it. But one of the problems that I do have with almond flour, and this is a, really a silly reason to actually go back to carbs, but it, it, it's very true, is the almond flour, still not as good as the wheat flour or the white flour, because I mean, you know, after time, you know, you get used to that, so you don't even think about it. Um, and so you might actually, it might actually thwart you into eating breads that aren't good for you. I have heard sourdough isn't too bad, but, you know, I haven't read the packaging and stuff, so I can't even sort of that. It's just something that I've heard, so I do, like, if I'm in a restaurant, I'm in a pinch, I'll get the sourdough over any of the type of bread just because I've heard it's low carb. I'm not quite sure how, maybe for a pre-diabetic. So I'm going to do the best I can and work with what I got, right? So the almond flour, if you don't, if you don't do this on a consistent basis where you're baking your own breads and stuff of that nature, you may fall into that slip of actually, you know, buying the English muffins, not really thinking about it, and eating like six of them because they are so delicious with butter. I gotta admit, it's one of my downfalls is an English muffin. And I don't know how to make English muffins. I mean, I know how to make like keto bread and pretend like it's an English muffin, but it's not an English muffin. It doesn't have the nooks and crannies that the English muffin has. So if they ever make a bread with the, the you know, the almond flour that has a consistency of English muffins, I'm on top of it. I don't care how much I have to pay for that. I'm buying that. Okay. So basically, just watch your breads. I, I think that if you start on the keto bread bandwagon, it's kind of like a bread gateway bread drug, I guess you can call it, to other breads, because 
then like when it's not convenient enough for you to actually bake the bread you're going to want to go to real bread and you forget the fact that you know you got to watch that restriction on it but i got another funny story that got me back on the keto bread right away and um unfortunately my demise happened at mcdonald's now as you know mcdonald's has squishy buns and these buns are loaded with sugar and I was really craving a filet of fish. I had to have the filet of fish. I just haven't had one in a long time. And it's just a little itty bitty thing. It's more like a snack than an actual meal. And so I just, I went in and they had the special where they had the two for one, something like that on the buy two, get it for one price or something. Anyways, they had some kind of crazy special going on with their filet of fish and some other sandwiches. So I hadn't had a filet of fish in like a year and a half. And I just wanted a filet of fish. Really bad. Just super bad. And they're expensive anyway. So I mean, there's no reason to spend like close to four bucks for a sandwich anyways. Okay, so but they had a two for one special. So I, I just couldn't resist. So I went in there and I ordered my bread. Or my, not my bread, sorry. I ordered the sandwich. And when I opened up the box, I noticed their bread has gotten really squishy soft. And this bread is a consistency of like I'm here thinking fluffy sugar it's almost like like the bread tasted and I I did I ate the whole thing I like ate all those carbs horrible I'm gonna tell you what happened afterwards too so with the squishy bread it was a very squishy consistency I should say and I'm like okay this is unlike any fish sandwich I've ever eaten. I mean, they've really changed the recipe to their bread or something. I mean, it's like a small piece of fish on this big fluffy bun. And this looks horribly bad for a diabetic. But I was going to eat it anyways. I was going to eat both fish sandwiches because they were small enough to where, you know, you can eat both of them and still not be satisfied. I think I was hungry a couple hours later. That's besides the point. So I ate both sandwiches. I mean, tremendous amount of carbs. I mean, they didn't have it posted on the box. They didn't need to. Um, Immediately what happened after I consumed the second one is I fell asleep within 10 minutes. And I slept for like two hours or something like that. Which is what happens to me. I mean, sugar affects my body way differently than it affects a normal person. I mean, some people, you know, they go to sleep after a tricky meal. Well, this is just like with, with me. It's like I had a tricky meal and... You know, they had injected it with some type of hormone to make me fall asleep. Well, I did. I fell asleep afterwards. I was just, like, just not feeling like myself anymore after this fishy, sugary sandwich. And that's exactly what McDonald's, in case you're not aware, a lot of people are aware of this, but I'm going to tell you anyways. But McDonald's, they, they actually lace everything in sugar. There's sugar in their bread products, there's sugar in their french fries sugars in their drinks except for their diet drinks and their water there's no sugars but even down to the snacks they feed you in the kitty meals for instance of course you get the sliced apples and that's the type of sugar so everything is laced in sugar at mcdonald's so it's sugar is no different than the compounds of uh cocaine and it's just as addictive so that's the reason why you have repeat customers at mcdonald's is because they're selling something that most people either are a not aware of or b don't care they're going to get their mcdonald's regardless right so sometimes i have that mcdonald's credit not too often but sometimes 
and it's unlike any other restaurant too so I have never had so much sugar in a meal as I have at McDonald's I mean I can literally taste it and I'm actually disgusted and pleased all at the same time I'm disgusted because I know I'm a diabetic that's the parent to me and I'm pleased because a little child of me is like yes finally something sweet this is delicious oh my gosh I finally got my fish sandwich oh and see like when I when they determined I was uh, diabetic that year I thought I was being good I thought I was staying away from sugars you know no candy bars no ice cream no sugary pops stuff of that nature it was completely the foods that I was actually consuming and the amounts of sugar in them that was actually raising my blood sugar levels so my body had become so resistant to sugar that it was actually pinpointing the sugar in products so yeah unfortunately it's, it's a sad truth okay so some of you that are disgusted and appalled by the fact that I actually ate two fish sandwiches thank you thank you for parenting me I, I know I was disgusting I had my sandwiches I had my fun now I'm back on the strict keto diet where you know what I love that diet too so that diet that consists of okay so I had uh, my little steak dinner at Denny's today. Um, it was comped thanks to the general manager there who was just being nice that day. And, um, you know, of course the keto diet is a consistency of a lot of fat and just a small amount of protein. This is something that I still struggle with because I'm more of a protein girl and very little fat, but I'm still losing weight. so. Yeah, I think that's more Adkins. I'll have to look into that. I'm not really too familiar with Adkins diet, I'll be honest. But it's something where I'm still slowly losing weight by eating protein. And even though I'm not completely eliminating the carbs, I've reduced it drastically over the years. So it was a great meal, but I still have to work on the fats. And I'm not necessarily sure because I asked for butter on my eggs. I'm not exactly sure if they use margarine or if they use butter. To me, margarine is an absolute culprit. It's not something I think humans should be ingesting, any of us, but other people think it's perfectly okay. Um, I just prefer natural ingredients. So, Anyways, with that being said, yes, I've failed at times, but part of being human and part of being successful with um, my diabetes is by I may fall off the bandwagon and it's okay to fall off the bandwagon on occasion so you get yourself back up and get yourself back on keto if you're on keto or whatever diet you're using to control your diabetes so it's okay to fail once in a while it's not going to affect your blood sugar drastically if you're anyone to see but of course you're going to have to answer remember you're going to have to answer to your doctor if your A1C is too high because then they're going to have to readjust your medications or look into your diet your best bet is to be perfectly honest with your doctor. So if you had some carbs um, and your A1C seems kind of high, you may want to talk to your doctor about that and let them know that, hey, you know what? I have not been strict with my diet and this is why I fell off the bandwagon, but I plan to get back on. And, you know, that could help you out. So anyways, with that, I'm going to go ahead and end this episode. Again, just to recap... The lady, lady of the day who I wanted to talk about was Sarah Hallberg. I love seeing women shine and do their thing. So even though that's a five-year-old 
article with TED Talks. It's still a very good one and still very good information in today's world. And I can't say that too much about many doctors who do change over the years, but that one is, I mean, it's what a lot of the doctors I've seen follow. And I'm not saying she's the um, pioneer of this by any means, but she was definitely onto something at the time. And I found, I think it was her talk that actually got me onto the bandwagon of um, diets and keto and looking after my A1C and stuff of that nature. And those little bits and pieces of information, I hope help you too. So with that being said, uh, this has been Margaret Frankowitz, well, Margaret Copeman Frankowitz on um, diabetes survival. I just ask that you please be kind to each other. We need more kindness in the world. And I want to thank you. And until tomorrow's episode, you have a wonderful day.